The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoke Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today is Asara Batavis, the fast of the 10th of Tavis, and I thought it would be a good idea to record an episode reflecting on the Asara Batavis and what we're commemorating in light of the Stoic Jew podcast, or actually really the other way around, to reflect on the Stoic Jew podcast in light of Asara Batavis. So um, I, uh, I, in my sheer, my Mishle sheer last night, I asked the people who stuck around after sheer uh, if, they, if they knew what the relationship might be between the Stoic Jew podcast and the Asara Batavis, and uh, no one knew, <laughs> okay, which doesn't surprise me, because if you ask most uh, Orthodox Jews, why we fast on Asara Batavis. Um, and then the most common answer you'll get is the answer mentioned uh, about the event that happened on Asara Batavis, which is the siege of Yerushalayim, the siege of Jerusalem. So I just want to read this from the Rambam. I know we've read this Rambam many times, but it's always good to review on every communal fast day. So this is in uh, the Mishnah Torah, uh, Sefer Zmanim, the Book of Times, Hilchos Tanios, the Laws of Fast, Chapter 5. Uh, uh, there are days on which all of Israel fasts on them because of the tragedies that occurred on them or the catastrophes in order to awaken the hearts and to open the paths of teshuva, of repentance. And this will be zikaron uh, this will be a, 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 a means of remembering our evil actions, umase avasenu, and the actions of our fathers, our forefathers, shahaya kumaasenu ata, which are like our actions now, ad shagaram lahem velanu osanataros, to the point where it caused for them and for us these afflictions, these tragedies. Shibizichron tvarim elu nashuv lahitiv, that by remembering these things we will we will return to do good. Shinemar as it says, Vihizvadu es avonam ves avonavosam. They will confess their sin, their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers. So the point of these communal fast days uh, is to reflect on the actions that were done by our ancestors, which caused those tragedies, and uh and the actions uh, and to reflect on how we still partake of those actions or the values that that gave rise to those actions, and then to do teshuva, to to change and to return to the good. Okay, so then the Ramam lists the communal fast days, and we're only going to focus on Asar Batevis because that's what today is. So he says, Vasir Batevis on the tenth of Tevis, Shabo Samach Melch Bavel Nebuchadnezzar Harasha Al Yushlaim Veheviah B'Matzar Uvmatzok. So the tenth of Tevis on which the king of Babel, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the evil one, besieged uh, Jerusalem and brought it into uh, into distress, okay, and, and siege. So that's usually what I focus on. That's what I've been focusing on for the last, um, I don't know, many years, uh, every Asar Batavis, because that's the event that is written about in the actual Tanakh, in the actual uh, in actual scripture. Uh, and if you're interested in a shear on that, uh, which I gave last year, I'll link that in the comments, in the show notes. But this year, I was thinking about the other events that happened on this day, okay? And how do we know that there are other events that happened on this day? So the Shulchan Aruch in Orachim, Tuf Kuf, Pei, Aleph and Beis, uh, brings down the events mentioned in Megillah's Ta'anis. And he says, 
These are the days on which catastrophes befell our, our ancestors, and it is proper to fast on. So then he lists a bunch of them, and then when he gets in, in the second halacha, he says, on the eighth of Teves, the Torah was was written in Greek, meaning translated into Greek in the days of Ptolemy, uh, the King Ptolemy. This is so. This is King. Uh, I had to look this up. Which Ptolemy this is? This is. Wait for it. Uh, Ptolemy the Second Philadelphus, I believe, um, uh, who ruled Egypt. I don't know. <laughs> oh, ruled Egypt from 283 to 246 BC. Wow, that's a that's quite a reign. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, so the Shulchan Aruch says this was when the Torah was translated when he ordered the translation of the Torah into Greek. And the the world was dark darkened for three days. And then he also says This is a cryptic statement that on the ninth of Tevis something else happened, but we don't know what it was. Okay, now the Aruch Shulchan. Uh, when he brings down this halacha, uh, says the same thing. He says, "Betisha bo lo haya noda hatsarash irabo." We don't know what tragedy happened on the on the ninth, but then he says, "Vnis gala acharkach shebo mes Ezra hasofer." But it was revealed later that that was the day that Ezra hasofer, Ezra the scribe, died. Okay, and this is reflected in the um, in the uh, slichos that we say. I'm just going to read the three stanzas here um, in English. I'm using the Koran translation here. So he says. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll, yeah, let me just read the the from the beginning. I shall recall the anguish that came to me. He inflicted three blows upon me in this month. He cut me off. He veered me aside. He beat me. But now he has finally drained me out. He is with a capital H. On the eighth of the month, he darkened my right and my left. I marked out all three days for fasting. The king of Greece forced me to write the Torah in his tongue. The plowmen have plowed across my back, and they made the furrows long. Uh, I read, you know, that's weird. Strange. The Hebrew is actually better. It says, Umelech Yavan Anasani Lichtovdas Yavanis. The king of Greece forced me to write the, the 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 Torah or the religion in Greek. Yeah, I don't know why the 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 translation says in his tongue. And it says, I raged on the ninth in shame and disgrace. My mantle of glory and my wreath were taken from me. The man who gave us the words of heaven was torn from us on that day. That was as the Ezra the scribe. On the 10th, Ezekiel, the seer, son of Buzi, was commanded, write this happening in the scroll, for the remembrance of a people melted away in disgrace, write this very day. The 10th was listed last among the fast to show the order of the months. My own mouth gapes open with weeping and wailing, and this chronicle of troubles burns within my heart. As the fugitive came to me and said, the city is crushed. For these things I have scattered dust upon my face, I have spoken now of all four. Would that I could shoot an arrow through my heart. For these great torments I have dug my own grave. The Lord is righteous, I have rebelled against his word. I have called out your name as I grieve my troubles, witness my oppression and my and hear my voice in its entreaty. Hear my pleading, please hasten my salvation. Do not block your ears to my sighing, to my cry. In the month of Tavis I was stricken sorely. The world changed its course from where I stand. I was stubborn, I sinned, yet may he reveal his goodness to me, the one who told the ocean only thus far come. Okay, so, so in thinking about this, I I made the connection, <laughs> and this is what I was asking my students about: what is the connection between the Stoke Jew podcast and uh, and Asar Batavis? Well, on Asar Batavis, we translated the Torah into Greek. We were forced to translate it into Greek, and um, and the Stoke Jew podcast is a direct outgrowth of the Greek society and the Greek philosophy and the Greek uh, the influence of the Greek culture and ways of thinking on uh, on the world. Okay, uh, and. Uh, and so that got me to think, well, what exactly was tragic about the translation of the Torah into Greek? After all, and this is a classic question, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, 
was uh, was commanded to translate the Torah into seventy languages. Right? Uh, it says that in uh, in Devarim twenty seven uh, eight, I believe. Uh, yeah, I actually did not look into that this year in particular, but, you know, so it's not an inherent problem of translating the Torah. And again, we also translate the Torah uh, into Aramaic. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, so, so in other words, it doesn't seem like there's an intrinsic problem. Okay. Yet, uh, it says in Masecha Sofrim, when it, when it goes over this, uh, event, in Masecha Sofrim, Aleph Zion, that, um, I don't know why it says five, but there was an incident with five elders, who wrote the Torah for Talmi HaMelech in Greek. This day was as harsh for Israel as the day that the golden calf was made. Okay, so that's a very harsh statement itself. But why? Because the Torah could not be translated uh Accurately, okay. Literally, it could not be translated uh, uh, according to all of its needs. All right, so, so it's not a problem of the Torah being translated. It's a, it's a problem of the Torah being distorted through translation. Okay, either for intrinsic reasons that you can't fully translate, uh, you know, from a lang- one language into another without changing things, um, or because. Uh, and this is the, uh, you know, Rabbi Chait has given many shirim on this, or it's because this was really when we as a nation lost control of the interpretation of the Torah. You know, up until now, it was really uh, under our auspices, and the sages of Israel were the ones who were uh, were able to understand it and to teach it. But then once we lost control of the text, then it started becoming uh, able to be used by other people with other agendas. Um so, uh, yeah, so that really is the tragedy. Okay. So I was thinking about this, uh, and, um, oh, sorry, hold on. I actually, I just want to supplement that first, uh, approach with the, uh, uh, quick excerpt from uh, the Ramam's letter to Shmuel Ibn Tibon, the translator of his more Nebuchadnezzar of his guide to the perplexed. So in his letter, the Ramam is talking about the the difficulty of translation, and he says, I will mention to you one general principle. Whoever wishes to translate a text from one language to another, intending to translate word for word, but at the same time to preserve the order of the words and sentences of the original, he will face tremendous difficulty, and his translation will be exceedingly ambiguous and faulty. It is not proper to do this. Rather, one who translates a text from one language to another must first understand the idea, and only afterwards should he formulate what he understood into the other language. It is impossible to do this without changing the order of the words, using many words in place of one word, using one word in place of many words, subtract words or adding words until the idea is formulated and rendered intelligible in the language into which he translates. So in other words, when you translate into another language, you need to go through, there are two types of changes that occur. Number one is you need to actually understand and conceive of the ideas in the new language. And so that's going to involve uh, thinking in the other language with all the concepts and the values of that other language, and then changing the actual text to convey that to people who speak that language. So it's really a double double potential for distortion or two, two, two filters through which the thing has to, to go in order to make it into another language. There's the filter of the ideas and values on the one hand, and then there's the filter of the, uh, of the words themselves. So I was thinking about this and, um, you know, uh, I think it would be easy for a person to look at the Stoke Jew podcast and think that I am holding up stoicism as, uh, 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 an inherent, uh, value. Okay. And, uh, let me set the record straight here, uh, is in an ideal world, there would be no Stoic Jew podcast. There would only be Jewish podcasts. There would only be a podcast directly, um, 
directly talking about the ideas of Torah in the language of Torah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think I talked about this. It's hard for me to remember now, but I did make uh, an episode of the Stoke Jew podcast on November 27th, 2020, uh, entitled TSJ Interlude, A Defense of This Podcast, which I'll, um, I'll uh, link to in the show notes. And there I explained my reasons for making this podcast, and I think I elaborated on what I'm about to say there. So uh, this is just me reiterating it. Uh, the main reason that I have made the Stoke Jew podcast is because, you know, it would be wonderful if we could just access the Torah's ideas in a clear and usable form on the Torah's own terms. And there are people who, who can do that. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, I, I can best see Torah when uh, it is, uh, you know, certain areas of Torah I can do that, but there are, are certain ideas about how to live and in and, and the Torah's ethics, and even in the Torah's philosophy, that I can see more clearly when they are expounded on in a way of thinking uh, or a way of being presented that is closer to the 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 Western Greek influenced culture that I live in. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't think that it's an accident that I am attracted uh, so much to the the to Judaism as presented by the Rambam, uh, and we know that the Rambam was was heavily influenced by the Greek. Uh, by Greek thinkers and uh, in in both the content of, the, of his ideas and the way he formulated them, and uh, and the Rama was criticized for it. Uh, and uh, I, I think it is a double edged sword. On the one hand, uh, you know when when you go into when you're immersed in another way of thinking in another culture, then there's always the risk for distortion. Uh, but at the same time, we know that the the, the Greek and Western way of viewing the world did advance humanity in certain areas of, of science and math and philosophy. And, uh, and it is, uh, it, it, I, I believe that made great contributions to Torah by, you know, by, by taking those advancements and then, and then, and then using that to bring out ideas in, in Torah, even if it was in a form that was foreign to Torah. So this is really what I'm grappling with every day in the Stoic Jew podcast is what I'm trying to do. My goal is not to understand Stoicism. My, my goal is to understand Torah and to use the Stoic writings as stepping stones to see the value in those Stoic writings and use those as stepping stones to access certain ideas in Torah, which I can then use to, which I can then think about and analyze and to differentiate, well, what makes the Torah ideas different from Stoicism? Uh, uh, and then, you know, uh, and then really like, you know, derive those same ideas from the Torah itself and, and kind of like uh, cast away the stoicism, the stoic ladder that I used to climb there. Uh, that's really the goal. But the reason why I'm talking about this today is that, you know, we are like the Raman says, we're supposed to focus on the the evil actions and the tragedies that happened to our, our forefathers and then reflect on on how these still plague us today and to do chuva on them. And it's an unfortunate situation that we're in where we have to, uh, largely, we are immersed in a Greek Western world, or I should say Western world that has been shaped by Greek philosophy and Greek thinking, and not just Greek philosophy, but, you know, Christian philosophy and uh, American philosophy and all these other foreign values. And uh, and we really are stuck with this work of sorting out what is authentic Torah and what is tainted Torah, what is corrupted Torah. And I, I know that there are two, broadly speaking, there are two approaches people take. You know, there are people who believe that you can isolate yourself from all of these foreign influences and 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 learn pure Torah. 
and uh, and I just you know, and then there's the Ramam's approach that I was talking about, and I just do not believe. I believe we are so far gone in terms of of, of we've been immersed in godless for so long in exile and been. Uh, steeped in all these foreign values, that our best hope of recovering "quote unquote" pure Torah is to is to learn both, is to 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 do what I'm doing, the Stoke Jew podcast, and to study both ideas and to face that challenge head on. And yes, does that mean exposing ourselves to risk? It does. We we might be influenced by these ideas without realizing it, but we have to. We can't pretend that we're not influenced by these ideas. We already are influenced by, by these ideas, and uh, and and you know. Uh, in, unless we face these chataim, these sins or these iniquities in us of, of of trying to like root out these these foreign influences and ideas, then we're we're not going to be able to access pure Torah. So, um, so I think that this, I think that the Stoic Jew podcast is part of doing this tshuva, uh, and uh, and in addition to to being helpful for for just regular learning, I think it's part of the actual tshuva process that is related to the the what we're commemorating uh, and doing tshuva on 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 Asar Batavis. And and by the way, I'm just, this is, I'm theorizing about this just now, but when you look at the three events that happened on Asar Batavis, you know the the surrounding of Yushalayim. Uh, in the destruction of the first base of Mikdash by Bavel, and the translation of the Torah into Greek, and then the death of Ezra HaSofer. Uh, and you ask, you know, do these th three tragedies have anything in common? Well, I can't fully answer that question because I haven't really looked into the issue of Ezra's death, uh, and I am not so familiar with Ezra, but I do know uh, that the main challenge that as one of the main challenges that Ezra faced was intermarriage. Uh, and that's a great deal of the book is devoted to Ezra solving the problems of intermarriage. And we know that the, the major problem of intermarriage is that it brings foreign values and ideas into the Jewish people in a way that threatens their very existence. So you look at, you know, Jews being conquered by Bavel and the, the city being surrounded. Uh, so there you have the imagery of the uh, of, of Israel immersed in the in a foreign culture. And again, we, we say that the other reason why Asarab Batavis is such a big thing is that was when the destruction of the base of Mikdash happened. That was that was the first event in the uh in 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 the in 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 the period that we call the Khorban, the destruction of the base of Mikdash. So but you have you know the beginning of the Galus of the exile and the Jews being surrounded by this foreign culture. Then you have the intermarriage uh, and that threat, which was tackled by Ezra, who we, we commemorate on this day. And then we have the Torah being translated into Greek. I do suspect, and again, I'm not saying this as a, as a definitive uh, position yet, I do suspect that assimilation into foreign cultures or the threat of assimilation posed by exile is one of the major themes of, um, of Asar Batavis. And perhaps, I, I, you know, when I was reading that, uh, that Slicha just uh, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I was perplexed by this uh, last statement here that he says, um, he says, Sarati Pashati Galili Tuvo, Omer Layam Ad Posavo. He says, I was stubborn, I sinned, yet may he reveal his goodness to me, the one who told the ocean only thus far come. That it ends off on this note of, of describing God as the one who set the boundaries for the ocean. I wonder if that also has something to do with this theme of, of drawing these boundaries and, uh, and needing God, needing uh, his goodness and his Torah to keep these boundaries firm and to not allow ourselves to be, you know, swept away by the, uh, the threats that, uh, that, that, you know, that surround us. Okay. Um, 
That is it for today's uh, episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contri- consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash And in fact, I'm actually not going to say that today because especially since today is a um, is a tonus, is a fast day, you know what you should really give money to is to the poor uh, and specifically to the hungry. Uh, again, I gave a whole sheer on this, which I'm linking, linking in the show notes, that out of all the fast days, I think that Asara Batavis lends itself much, much more to the mitzvah of feeding the poor uh, and the hungry and uh, and providing for their needs. So um, so uh, if you're going to give any money today, give money to the poor. Um, and uh, that is what I intend to do as well. All right. Have a good fast and uh, uh, and uh, hatzlacha in your, your teshuva.